Hello, friends. I'm Barbara Hemphill, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and vision accelerator. Welcome to Christine Smith's From Pretty Good to Radiant Joy podcast. With practical and inspiring ideas about the healing, love, and power of God, Christine and her guests encourage you to enjoy the radiant, joyful life God created you to live. Christine is a trained spiritual director with a heart for unity. She's an author focused on Holy Spirit's role in women's lives, especially women over 50. Let's welcome my sister in Christ and yours, Christine Smith. Welcome to the From Pretty Good to Radiant Joy podcast where we explore the journey of spiritual growth and we discover practical wisdom for living an empowered and fulfilling second half of life. I'm your host, Christine Borsma-Smith, and I'm thrilled to have you join us. Our special guest today will share highlights from her latest book, Hold That Thought, Sorting Through the Voices in Our Heads. And who among us doesn't have voices in our heads? She has a deep understanding of the challenges and transformations that come with age and the desire to deepen our connection with God. She's been empowering Christian women of all ages, including many leaders over 50, to find greater intimacy with God and to experience a life filled with purpose, contentment, and service. So get ready to be inspired and encouraged as we welcome Jem Fadling. She's a spiritual director and a certified life coach, and she's the author not only of Hold That Thought, which we'll be talking about today, but also uh, What Does Your Soul Love? In 2007 and 2008, Jem and I went through a Benedictine spiritual direction school together, where we were divinely put into the same small group and grew together through that experience. So I would love to welcome my friend, and a wonderful spiritual director and life coach. Welcome. Welcome, Jim. Thank you so much. This is going to be such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. It, it, we've always had wonderful conversations over <laughs> a while. And uh, my audience is mostly Christian women over 50. And uh, as you heard in the introduction, it's a lot of women whose lives are pretty good and they're involved with the, with the Lord, they're active in their faith. But you know how it is, we go through a lot of changes in our lives, especially uh, as we grow older, um, perhaps we have children who've left home, many things have happened. And it comes to be a time, I think, when a lot of women are thinking they prepared their whole life for their working career and for getting married and having children, what that life might be like, where they might live. And now things are changing and they're kind of wondering. Um, they're kind of wondering, they may have some struggles and challenges. What kind of struggles and challenges do you find that they're having uh, through your coaching and spiritual direction practice? Yeah, well, so I guess I qualify for this conversation because I am a woman and I am over 50. <laughs> And I, I love having these kinds of conversations because I love the journey of transformation. I kind of want to just start there by saying, you know, 
um, we get to change. Yes. And that's good news, right? Because there yeah. are ways in which I'm stuck or um, out of practice or any number of ways in which um, it can be hard to stay on that journey for the long haul. And so sometimes even just remembering that that change is good and that I get to change, right? So if you're having a, um, an issue at this point in your, in your journey, thinking you're behind or something's not happening the way it should be or whatever, um, certainly those are some thoughts to have, Yeah. but, <laughs> or, and, and yeah. I have grown to believe that it is never too late. I am getting ready to turn 60 in about six days. Oh, and so I'm happy right. upcoming birthday. Thank you. Milestone. Yes. For me, I have been spending a lot of time thinking about that. Actually, this number felt a little different to me than all of the other numbers, because I just think if you just do any kind of math at all, um, I'm going to be entering the final third of my life. And that makes you think certain thoughts, but I want to let you know that I have spent my fifties vibrantly engaging. And for me, it came naturally, you know, um, my, I have three sons, they're grown and, you know, all the process of, you know, high school and then college and then young adulthood and them getting launched in all their various ways. Um, I found myself in that place of just awakening. Oh my goodness. I still have energy. I'm still young enough, but I've also got some life wisdom, right? Exactly. And I was able to really seek God and to double down on what I believe God gave me as my calling slash vision for my life, because now I was quote unquote free in a new way. And I happen to have a situation where my husband and I have partnered in ministry over the course of our entire marriage in various ways. And this seemed like a beautiful way for us now in this new season to partner afresh. And so we started our own nonprofit when I was 52. He was 55, right? In my 50s, I wrote two books. I started two podcasts. I helped launch a nonprofit. And I'm not even saying, I'm just telling you the list because I'm trying to say it's not over. I was going to say, and you're not about to stop because you've got a 60th birthday coming in. (laughs) And I'm turning 60 now, and I'm about nine years into this new venture, and I still feel vibrant. I still have energy. I'm still dreaming. I'm assuming that God um, will, well, God loves us, right? God is the creator. We're being nurtured and formed, and all of that goodness I want to aim that somewhere, right? So I'm, I'm aiming that at Christian leaders. I work with a lot of women and I don't want to, I hope so far, none of this is sounding Pollyanna. What I'm trying to do is say, be encouraged, be courageous, Mm -hmm. right? Don't give up hope. It's possible to find ways to offer who you are to others. And, um, with that big speech out of the way, let me say it happened literally one day at a time, right? How else can it happen? Yes. I I want to hear how it happened. Um, but I also just want to butt in here a minute and say, um, I'm in my seventies and my goodness, it's, um, I, I also feel vibrant, called and excited about how the Lord can use me 
at this point in my life and how I can meet other fascinating women, pray with other fascinating women, coach and direct other fascinating women. Yeah. And we're all in this together. We're all sisters in the Lord. And it really is exciting. And I my I recently had a, a podcast interview with my mother on her hundredth birthday. So you might not be entering the last third yet. Okay, maybe um, it's the last fourth, <laughs> last fifth. I don't know. Yeah, no. Well, it's bigger than that. No, I, never mind. I can't do. The I math. don't know how to do math. I know. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, I I also want to encourage people. That's why um, I'm doing this. Is uh, there is a lot we can do, and it may be completely different than what we've done before. It may be a continuation of it. It's up to the. It's up to the Lord's will and the Holy Spirit and our cooperation with it. But we also have a few hurdles along the way. Yes, we certainly do. And God doesn't waste anything. You know, all, right. all of what I'm doing right now, when people ask me what I do, I mean, one answer is um, I'm just sharing everything God has shown me over the decades of my life. Now, of that sounds simplistic, but I mean, you know, there have been many and various seasons and stages. I'm one of those people like you who have taken my life with God very seriously. And so I try my best to track what God is doing in me to, to teach, to train, to transform, to grow, to mature, to gain wisdom. That has been just a through line of my life, even all the way back to my twenties. And I just count that as a great grace. I think it's a gift that God gave me the interest <laughs> in, um, I guess, placing Jesus at the center. So what I do now is I offer everything I've picked up along the way. And I've had many and various different kinds of jobs here and there. There were times when I was, you know, just quote in quotation marks, a stay at home mom. <laughs> I've started a couple of businesses. Um, I volunteered a lot and served a lot have all these certifications, but see, that's what I'm saying. When you get to this point in your life and you look back, it looks like all these little piecemeal things, but each one of those was building and forming me into where, when I've entered now the second half of life, there is a, a, a literally and figuratively a body of work. There's a body of work. There's a body of uh, experience yeah. Which I think too, sometimes we can look back on the things that where the end results weren't exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah. And yet those are sometimes our greatest learning opportunities. Uh, they are part of what formed us into who we are now. Yep, it is so true. So I think that's a beautiful encouragement for people that are listening. Um, there's probably more inside of you than you realize. And one of the things I like to talk about, and you've probably talked about this too, is just the idea of reflection. To give your time, yourself time and space to reflect, to think back, give yourself little assignments. One time I asked God, um, I don't know, I was in my 40s. I kind of liked where I was at the moment. You know how you can ebb and flow through hard seasons and then good seasons. And then sometimes you're up on a little bit of a vista and you feel like you have a view. Yes. It was kind of in one of those moments in my life. And I said, God, how did I get here? How did I get to the place where I kind of 
like who I am and what you've been up to? And I, and I held that question. It's not like I asked it and then God said from the sky, here's why. But I, <laughs> I held that as a question inside myself. And for at least a year or two, I would just write down every time I had a sense inside myself that there was um, something, uh, an insight or a situation that was happening that was meaningful, that answered that question. How did I get here? And actually, I ended up with seven phrases or sentences that I pulled together that were what I felt were some of the answers to that question. They ended up, ended up being actually the outline of the book, What Is Your Soul Love? So in that book, the, the tagline is, um, oh my goodness, what is it? Eight questions that reveal God's work in you. We, we moved it to eight instead of seven. I added one more. <laughs> <laughs> but I think questions are important. Don't you asking yeah. a good question? Yeah. So let me ask you a question, pivoting here a little bit. I loved um, in your book, uh, as I said, we all have thoughts in our heads and your book is full of wisdom on um, how we might address the ones that are problematic or negative type things that we hear. And, uh, but the, there's one chapter I thought would be fun to kind of focus on. And it's the one about the anxious controller and um, seasons of life. So we've already been talking some about the seasons of life. Uh, but I think there is in many of us this tendency to think we're going to fully surrender to God just as soon as we take care of this one situation. And we think it's up to us to take care of that situation when, of course, we really know in our biblical <laughs> knowing kind of that, that it's, it's not up to us, it's up to God, but we're so used to sometimes a career where we had to be in charge or whatever it is. Controlling is an issue. And I think you, you also call it, you put anxiety and controlling together and you have a nice explanation of why you put them together. Maybe we could start there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this book, as you said, I, I offer seven voices. They aren't the only seven voices on the planet, but I think they are a fair representation of the kinds of voices. I, I use thoughts and voices sort of interchangeably in the book. We have thoughts and yeah. voices in our heads. And I like to use the terms helpful and unhelpful rather than good or bad or positive or negative, because sometimes we aren't the best judge of whether or not something is good. I should remember that. I read the book. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to point that out only because sometimes people might think, well, it's not good to be angry or it's not good to be sad. And those are a couple of things that people might think are bad, but actually grief is healthy. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just, is I like to ask the question, is this helping you? Good point. Is this not helping you? These are great questions to ask yourself. So I have seven voices and yeah, one of them, I named the anxious, anxious controller. And I put them together because I think that's what happens to me when I get anxious and I get fearful and I kind of get riled up, I move to control. And so the anxious controller, some of the phrases you might hear from the anxiety part of the anxious controller is um, 
what so many things go wrong. What if I fail? What if I look stupid? What will others think? You know, just, and then your anxiety starts to broil and then you get yourself riled up and then right on the heels of this, the need to control comes in. And now you're saying to yourself, well, you can't lose control, right? You've got to push your way forward. You have to make sure this happens the way you want it to happen. So you'll be safe, right? Mm -hmm. Can you see, I mean, these, and it's funny because these are not always conscious. It's sort of humming along in the background until you find yourself kind of in a tizzy and you don't know what happened. And so that's one of the things I'm trying to say in this book is let's become aware. Let's wake up to what's happening. And so that's why I put the anxious, the anxiety and the control together. And I call it the anxious controller. Yeah. It, interestingly, I, I think our thoughts are so important. And I also like to go below the thought level, deeper into the belief level, because a lot of those thoughts come from things like, I am only valued for what I do, or, or I if I don't do this well, God's not going to love me, or some kind of false notions that we have internalized, usually from something that may have happened when we were, it could, it could have happened when we were under five years old, but it, it something happened in our world, and we drew a conclusion from it. And that conclusion then became a belief that we repeated in our thoughts and sometimes our words. And then it becomes what might be called that self-fulfilling prophecy or the law of attraction or you know whatever you wanna call it, but our thoughts manifesting. And so it's really important to get to that belief level, but they're not on the surface. It takes some of this reflection you're talking about and asking yourself deep questions or being asked them by somebody who you're working with to really get down below the thoughts to those core beliefs that may have to do with identity more than anything else and who God is. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And one of the big things I unpack in this book is a process I call NDR. Yes. And that just stands for notice, discern, and respond. And that gets to the heart of exactly what you're saying. Because most of the time, I think you're right, there's something underneath those presenting thoughts that is either fuel or it's an engine and it's driving us. Yeah. Right. And so being able to be someone who just notices, so I think that's the first invitation is now today you could even just catch yourself at any point just notice what you're thinking even when you just said the thing about helpful versus unhelpful and i had used the phrase positive and negative well I, I, that's something for me to notice and you know because i'm not the judge judging has always been probably you know my most commonly committed sin is judging, but um, yeah. So that noticing, and then, and then, how would you apply the discerning from that? Yeah. So let me give you um, an image that I think helps really unpack this idea of notice, discern, and respond. So notice, of course, is notice to see, be aware, be awake. Right. Discern is then taking that time that you were talking about to take 
ask yourself some questions, get some support if you need to. How could you go deeper down underneath to see what might be driving those thoughts? Because you could just say to yourself, well, I'm just not going to think that anymore. Well, how long does that work? Not right? <laughs> not very long. So discerning might be a long process of, of who knows what kind of help you might need in practice to discern what's really happening here. And then ideally from that, there's a response that can emerge instead of, you know, usually it's stimulus and then reaction. We want to be people who notice, discern, and respond. And so a, a really great image for that is um, that of a dining room. So like you're in a formal dining room, there's a rectangular table in there. And then of course, in the 1950s, who would have been sitting at the head of the table? It would have been the dad, right? Like leave it to Beaver. Of course. Okay. <laughs> so we are not in the 50s anymore, but I'm saying that because that's a part of this. Ideally, if you have an inner dining table, you are the head, right, of your own life. Jesus is the head of us. I understand that. But inside of you, there's just an inner dining table and you get, you have the opportunity to sit at the head of your own table. And so what usually happens is we're just on autopilot and all of a sudden we find ourselves in this swirl of thoughts and these voices are all talking. And if we can wake up and notice, we look over and we see that the anxious controller is sitting in the head seat. Somehow I got up and I walked away or I'm wandering around the room or who knows where I am, but noticing is when you go, oh, look who's sitting in the chair, right? And so you, who's and you here? don't, <laughs> look who's here. Do you remember that? Who's here? Absolutely. Who's here? We think who? always the question in spiritual direction school. I love that question. So that is the perfect time to be like, who's here? Oh, and you look in the seat and you go, oh my goodness, it's the anxious controller. It could be the stressed achiever. It could be the, you know the um, positive thinker, who knows who's sitting there, but for today, it's the anxious controller. And so our first thing might be, oh, why are they sitting there? And what are, you know, so sure, that's one way to go. But how about another way is this like, oh, there you are. And so you walk, you notice, and you walk over to the head seat and you just graciously say, thank you so much for your input. I'd like to invite you to sit in one of these side chairs. And so you don't ask them to leave. You don't shame them. You don't guilt them. You don't chew them out or judge. Why don't you just sit over here? And then you sit down in the head chair, like the adult that you are. This is very much like internal family systems, right? Yes. And you, now you could discern. Now you can discern. And I like to picture, you know, if I'm sitting at the head of my own table, I, I assume Jesus is right there with me. The spirit is in the room, Right. And so yeah. now you can just start having a conversation if you want to with the voice. Hey, what's wrong? What's going on? I know that might sound a little weird, but I think most of us understand that we can have a dialogue with our own self, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so um, ask the voice, hey, you're so anxious today. What's going on? And just listen. And if you find that this is a really long standing issue and you need some help, get a spiritual director go to therapy. I mean, whatever it takes, or sometimes the voice it's more on the surface and you yourself could actually discern what's going on and make a change if you wanted to. So discernment is sitting down at the table and going, okay, you're sitting over there and now we're going to talk. And then responding usually emerges on its own because you've taken that time to see it and address it. And now you can respond instead of just react. So you can say, thank you for your input. I've actually been learning lately that anxiety 
doesn't serve me well when I move out from that. I'm going to dis- I'm going to choose right now to release this anxiety and I'm going to move forward maybe in faith or in courage or in love. Right? Love- so that's a response. That's different. I love two of the things that you said about I don't know if it was part of the dialogue at the dining table but I love two of the things that you said about about that. One of them was the idea that if you can do something with anxiety, how much better could you do it in peace? But yes, that's exactly right. If you can do this in anxiety, you could do it far better in peace. And that is true. So I could even pull up that thing that I know that I learned from someone. I could say that out loud. That could be a response. And then I could try to move into that. So It sounds really linear when we're talking about it like this. And I understand that life is a little more complicated and that there might be a period of what we would call practice, right? But we can make our way. I've been practicing releasing anxiety for most of my life Mm -hmm. and I'm getting better at it, but it still rears its head and I still deal with it. Well, we all have things that we seem to keep on going through my my ministry that i absolutely love is unbound ministry i don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. but it's a um, healing and deliverance ministry and it Mm -hmm. really helps people to sometimes finally get rid of some of that stuff so um, it's great the other thing i wanted to say is when you're talking about this conversation around the dining table for some people um you know, that kind of hearing and visualizing that conversation is really good. For me, I'm a journaler. I mm-hmm. I just love to sit and journal. And I try to journal where I'm doing a two-way journaling between myself and the Holy Spirit usually. So I and I'll write out my questions and I'll and I'll sit and ask. I'll ask questions and I'll sit and I'll wait. And some days, of course, as you said, you don't, it doesn't always just come down thundering voice. It never comes down to me, the thundering voice of God, but I often will get promptings that, um, that I then write through and, and it can go back and forth, uh, uh, but, but why, but I don't get it. You know, tell me more. It can be really helpful too, I think. Oh, for sure. My husband's a journaler. I mean, uh, like almost he would laugh. And I think he might admit to this, but he's kind of an obsessive journaler. Everything gets written down for him because it's how he processes everything. And so, yeah, whatever works for you, do it. I mean, we talked about when we were in our spiritual direction training together, of course, they talked about dialoguing. I think that's a beautiful practice to have that conversation. It's, it's helped me a lot, but um, I, I love your dining table too. I, I have to <laughs> I have to try that one. I haven't quite done that one yet, but it sounds yeah. good. Well, we're getting close to our wrap up time. So, uh, Jim, do you have any gems for us that you, <laughs> that you didn't get well, a chance to say? Yeah. Well, let me just say a couple things. First, I want to just read something to you about thoughts. And then I want to give, I want to say something about seasons because you were talking about seasons. And I'll close this with that. But let me just say this um, this idea of, you know, working with our thoughts and voices. I like to go to Romans 12 and there's a phrase in there that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? I pair that together with just some ancient wisdom, which is probably from the desert fathers. You are not your thoughts. You 
have thoughts. And so, and even the inner dining table, all of this is so that we remember that we have agency and that we can step back. This was a phrase, it's in the book, but I, I learned this from Dr. Marie in our training together. Mm -hmm. um, they called it the inner observer. It really, it's the inner observer who's going to sit down right at the head of the table. It's the inner observer who's going to take one step back and go, oh, there's the anxious controller again. Even though it's all inside of me, there's a part of me that's rational that can go, oh, here's what's happening. We can practice getting in touch with that. So, but here's the, here's a beautiful quote from Viktor Frankl. And it has everything to do with notice, discern, and respond. He says, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies our power to choose. And in our choice lies our growth and our freedom. So he's talking about stimulus and response. And then there's a space in that space. I'm suggesting try NDR. Try noticing, discerning, and responding. And then you get to choose. And then you'll be free. See? So I just wanted to say that really briefly. But I also wanted to just talk about seasons. You know, we talked about seasons of life, like, you know, whatever, young adult and midlife. And, but also there's, if you just think about the seasons of the planet, we have spring, summer, fall, winter, and we can track our lives in those ways as well. And I think for the anxious controller to be reminded that there are seasons of life. For example, if I just came out of, out of a winter that I would say lasted about a year. And by winter, I mean, a winter of the soul, it was desolate. It was quiet. It wasn't like hardship, but it was definitely a time that felt a little set aside inside of me. And that was okay. I was actually a willing participant this time because I knew I needed it. And so whatever God was doing, I was like, okay, here we are. But to be aware if you're in a winter or if you're emerging into spring and it feels like the pink blossoms are floating through the air, enjoy that, right? Mm -hmm. Or if it's harvest and you're out there picking apples and whatever is on the tree right now, I mean, enjoy that season. And so I think for the anxious controller, because controlling is a gripping sensation, you can open your hands a little bit if you realize that you are a seasonal creature, just like the planet, just like a tree, right? I'm not a computer. I'm not a robot. I'm a person. And so I have to say this a lot to women because we get into these modes of productivity and efficiency and I'm behind and I'm not doing enough, even though they're killing themselves to get everything done. Right. And they forget there's a fallow season. There can't, winter comes every year because the land has to rest and regroup. It just, it, or, or it won't be able to continue to produce. It's just science. Talk to any farmer. Yes. <laughs> So I guess that's my final, allow yourself to be in the season you are and embrace it for what it is and give yourself the grace to just move forward in that. Amen. Amen. Jim, God bless you. Thank you so much for being, being here today. Thank you for your wisdom. And we will put in the end notes where they can find um, you and your books. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Bye. Please visit the website from Pretty Good to Radiant Joy, podcast host Christine Smith at radiantjoy.us. Christine activates, illuminates, and facilitates deep healing and transformation for women over 50 who feel a profound longing in their spiritual lives 
guiding them to discover the missing piece and embark on a transformative journey that brings them to greater intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessedly, that transformation flows into all other aspects of their lives. We appreciate likes and encourage you to subscribe to this monthly podcast from Pretty Good to Radiant Joy, which is released every first Thursday. Please also share favorite episodes and comment below. You're enthusiastically invited to subscribe to our monthly newsletter, which you can sign up for at www.radiantjoy.us. Thank you, and may God bless you to radiate abundant joy.